Before we begin this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on new episodes. Welcome back to Fan Wonderland, it's time to fall down the rabbit hole with us again. Today we have with us fan favourite from Pirates of the Caribbean, Kevin McNally. Welcome Kevin and thanks for giving up your time to chat with us today. Oh, you're welcome, it's nice to, to talk to you. Personally, <coughs> you were recently starting CW's The Outposts, however, and we're going to be digging into spoilers here, Met an early demise. Is there a likelihood of a return to this series in some way, given, you know, it's a fantasy <coughs> show? Or is it sort of like um, they've moved past that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. I think uh, in this one, once you're gone, you're gone. But um, funny enough, I was at a party the other night and I met uh, an actress who said, oh, you were in the outpost. Uh, what was your experience like? Because uh, I'm doing season two. So... Um, and she said, will you be coming back? And I said, well, uh, will you be watching the show? Because I have a spoiler for you. But um, no, I think it's unlikely. Um, and it's a shame, really, because now they're, they're not shooting in Utah anymore. They're shooting in somewhere like Bulgaria. So uh, it Serbia? I think nice it's a bit I think of tra- Serbia is moved to. Oh, oh, is it Serbia? Yes, yes Serbia. Yeah. You're right. So that would have been nice because I quite like Serbia. And they're shooting in natural castles, I believe. So that would have been even more happier. Yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, rather than the little wooden one that they built in Utah, yeah. But I, really, I, don't, I don't reckon the fans will be able to have a go about green screens for this one, given they're shooting in an actual castle. I would yeah, assume yeah, the exactly. CW's obviously put a bit more of a budget behind it, but... Yeah, yeah I mean, it, the strength was always its scripts, I thought. I remember when I read them, I usually just read, like, one, and I, and I just... I, I read six of them throughout the night, and um, I thought the, the scripts were great. Uh, but I, I do think a little bit, a little loosening of the of the purse springs um, might uh, might be a good idea for the show. Yeah, it's just it's just the shame they seem to be. They seem to have all the like good actors and actresses, and then they seem to be getting rid of them. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know why. It's really odd. Like they're like you know we love these characters, and then suddenly they're ditching them. It's like what's I don't know whether it's the CW or whether it's the writers. Well, you know, nobody lasts long on Supernatural either, do they? <laughs> Apart from the sort of central three or four. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, the C, I, they, they like to have a big turnover. CW, I think. Yeah, it's it's really it's really odd because, you know, you've got like, there's there's plenty in the first one. You know, there's Thor, there's you, there's you know, there's several of you. It's like, you know, we'll we'll get you on, and you've got these talented people, and then they're suddenly they're like, well, we don't want you anymore, and it's like, well, you know. Why Why can't we keep them around? You've got this talented, you know, you've got all this experience well, over multiple actors <coughs> and they're like... Excuse me. In, in my particular case, um, before they asked me to do it, it was always going to be a six-episode um, role. So as far as that's concerned, um, I think they, you know, they wrote it and they wanted lots of people coming in and they wanted lots of death and a lot of shock. Um, I think, you know, if the show really picks up an audience, they'll probably start thinking differently about that and really thinking carefully about who to keep and who to get rid of, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 hopefully the case, but, I mean, it's a CWC, so you're never quite sure. It's, it's right. very, very up and down with them. On to, uh, I also noticed you were on Designated Survivor as well, which yeah. I didn't realise until, you know, after I'd seen the episodes and everything, and then saw you on the outpost, and I was like, hang on, how did I miss that? Like, how did I miss such a recognisable face in Designated Survivor, which sadly cancelled? <laughs> it's yeah. I don't know. How did you miss such a recognisable I d- face? I don't know. It was like I was. I was like, I remember the character. How did I? You know, 
how did I not go, hang on, I recognise you. Unless it was the way that we wrote the character, maybe it was just different to what you've normally done. Well, uh, yeah, I think it was because he was, um, I usually play sort of um, uh, quite uh, relaxed um, character. And this was a very uptight general. And I don't do a lot of military, but it was very enjoyable to do, I have to say. But I think it was a rather different role for me, yeah. Yeah, that's... And you also recently filmed Dad's Army Lost Episodes, which seems to be a recurring Mm -hmm. theme with BBC, a lot of them. I'm assuming it was from BBC, given they do a lot of Lost Episodes stuff. As Captain Mainwaring, I think I'll pronounce that right. Mannering. Mannering. Captain Mannering. Yeah. Now, is that uh, is there a particular number of episodes, and yeah. how they decided how we're releasing them? <clears throat> the BBC in 1969, uh, when they recorded the second season of uh, Dad's Army, uh, shortly afterwards uh, wiped three of the tapes, and um, you know, I think possibly starting with the uh, Hancock radios that I've that I've reproduced uh, 22 of, um, all of the ones that are missing. Uh, possibly starting with that, there is a sort of a sense at the BBC that there's a lot of value to to the old material, and that you know something like Dad's Army still shows all the time um, on television here. So there's a sense of um, completing the archive. You know, um, they've experimented with a few other shows. One of the problems with doing shows in the '60s and early '70s is you'll find with Dad's Army, Dad's Army was a very kind, uh, loving, affectionate uh, TV program. But there are many programs from that period when you, you know, there are different, uh, what should we say, there are different attitudes to um, um, sex and gayness and and race that perhaps we don't want to hear reiterated nowadays. So some things don't age very well in terms of the sort of you know, the, the, the attitudes of the time. Um, we didn't have any problem with that, with Dad's Army. There was nothing we had to change or update uh, because um, it was written with such a great heart 50 years ago. Is that, is that going to be released like they've done with Doctor Who where they're doing it on DVD or are they going to air no. it, like screen it on <clears throat> BBC? Or? No, it, it will be shown uh, here on a channel called uh, UK TV, um, which I think used to be called UK Gold. Um, uh, but I, I, I presume it will sell to uh, other channels around the world where Dad's Army was popular, and I believe it was in Australia. Um, and then it will be released on DVD because I, I, I only know that because we have an awful lot of interviews and backstage stuff, which I, which always mean they're going to put a big uh, electronic press uh, package um, with it. You've also done Robert the Bruce, which I believe is premiering soon at festivals. Yes, it was very funny. Um, I went from playing a blacksmith in next to the mountains of Utah uh, for Outpost and then went immediately uh, to playing a, a blacksmith um, next to the mountains of Montana. <laughs> for Robert the Bruce. So for a while there, I was only playing blacksmiths in front of mountains. Um, but uh, it was funny, actually, because um, uh, Angus McFadden, who I'd been on turn with, has created this movie because he wanted to look at the character Robert the Bruce again that he played, obviously, in, um, in Braveheart. And um, he, so he said, I want you to play a blacksmith. Do you think you can play a blacksmith? And I said, well, funny enough, 
My first job, <clears throat> one of my first jobs was the original 70s TV uh, series of Poldark, in which um, I played a blacksmith. Um, and the BBC uh, back then were really good at this. They sent me off and I trained uh, to be a blacksmith. So um, if anybody wants a blacksmith, I'm your man. <laughs> Have they thought about getting you on the new Poldark at all? Just for like, continuity? Sort of? No, uh, you'd have thought so, wouldn't you? But no, I haven't had the call, unfortunately. Um, I think it's very nice that Robin... Oh, thank you. I think that's very nice, my personal secretary. I think it's very nice that my, um, Robin you know, plays that judge on it. Uh, but so far, they haven't asked uh, me. And you've also got one coming up called Painted Beauty as well. Yes, now that was uh, extraordinary. Um I had worked, uh, I'd done a few conventions, um, you know, Comic-Con conventions in the Far East um, with this company um, who make the Pop Life figures, you know, and uh, that's a very, in China, it's a very successful <clears throat> enterprise, as you know, the Funko, I think they call them, that they, the, the little oh, Pop Life Oh, listeners will know what that is, yes. <laughs> yeah, they will. Um but anyway, it's a very successful venture, and so the man who ran it decided uh, to create his own studio. And the second film he made is this film um, uh, called Painted Beauty, which is a sort of a quite a dark, quite funny um, a story about a painter who likes to set up um, scenarios to make very dark paintings. But she sort of gets involved with a serial killer. And it's, it's a really amazing sort of idea. <clears throat> and um, so I was very pleased to go to China uh, for three weeks to make that. And that will be coming out at the end of this year. Oh, that sounds, that sounds different. Especially, mm. especially with, you know, someone behind Funko influencing that. It'd be yeah. quite, quite a... Is it, does it seem like a very different departure from what most people consider like a Hollywood one and it's more of an indie sort of vibe? <coughs> it's hard to answer that because um, I, I, would, I would probably yes is the answer. But the interesting thing is what they want to do. He, you know, they, they had a lot of money and he decided to do a very old fashioned thing, which is to build a studio and buy all the equipment. So in a way it is like, it is like an old-fashioned studio, but I think the the films will have a very uh, indie vibe to them. Yeah, I think that's where it works because, like, particularly like with what they did with Star Wars Episode Seven, where they got the proper props, relied on physical things rather than the CGI, and that's often yeah when a film really shines is when you don't go big on CGI and unless you're using well, it for yeah. properly. And so it'd be interesting, <clears throat> exactly. interesting to see how that turns out. Now, the the one that I think a lot of our this is be quite intrigued by, and most people would know you as Gibbs from Pirates of the Caribbean. Kingdom mm. Hearts three, you you're as far as I'm aware, you're the only Pirates cast member that actually voiced their character. Yes, I think that I've I've read that too. Yes. Now was that now <coughs> you and I haven't played the game. Is that just like a several lines, or was it a lot more than that? Did you? Oh God, a lot more than that. <clears throat> a lot more than that. That was a really tough day. I had, uh, <clears throat> you know, often in those games you'll have 20 or 25 cues, um, but I, I'm sort of directing a lot of the story. So I had a lot of a lot of uh, cues in it. 
Um, I'm I'm not that familiar with the game because I never played the other one. Um, but people tell me it's wonderful and very engaging. The reason why I um, did my own voice is that very early on in the uh, in the uh, pirate story, uh, they did their first video game, and th there were all these voice actors doing us. And uh, so I, I knew somebody at Disney, and I said, you know, I, you, I invented Mr. Gibbs. Um, <clears throat> why do they not ask me to do it? And they said, well, we didn't think that you'd want to do it. And I went, well, can you let whoever's in charge know that I want, when, when Mr. Gibbs, Gibbs comes up, I want at least first dibs on him, you know. So now that we, whenever that we do a game or they do a game, uh, they always come to me first and ask me if I want to do it. And sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. So that would include like the tie-in of World's End. I think they did a game of, and the Lego ones yeah. and everything. Yes, Cause I know, absolutely. Because I, I noticed when I was looking through all the cast, I was like, well, that's that's pretty good. And, you know, for diehard fans, they'll go, okay, that's his actual voice. Like that's the actual right. gigs. Right. It's not just someone trying to make their voice sound like it. It's like it's, it's actually you. It was very funny, actually, because just after this happened and this video uh, video game came out with another actor, I was mentioning to a friend of mine in Los Angeles, and he went, I know that actor, and I've got his phone number. Do you want to phone him up and threaten him? And so we did. <laughs> I phoned up, and I said, this is Kevin McNally here. I'm Mr. Gibbs. If you ever go near Mr. Gibbs again, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so you're taking your next film, then, <laughs> going by that? Yeah. A very old Liam Neeson. There we go. There's an idea. Exactly. I'll find you and I'll kill you. Okay, a Scottish Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's very much the... Even going by the likeness of Gibbs that they've put in the game, like, you know, obviously with games they're improving, but, like, that's it's mm. pretty spot on for how you look. Absolutely incredible. I, I saw they showed me the artwork. It was very funny, actually, because the game, when I voiced it, um, had already been released in Japan. So my guide track was this man going, oh, it's incredible, sort of like samurai-sounding um, uh, uh, voice, uh, which, which sort of put me off of it. I had to ask him to take it away because it was, it was sort of putting me off because he was really good as well, you know. And I thought the last thing I want is my Japanese voice artist to be to be better than me. Was that for Kingdom Hearts 3, was it? get the phone call. <laughs> was that Kingdom Hearts 3, was it? For that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I do, I do know Japan gets an early release on a lot of those sort of things quite often. Oh, it surprised me. I didn't I didn't uh, know that that happened. And, I, I thought they sort of released It's usually with, like, Sega and anime and evidently Kingdom Hearts. But, yeah, there's... Because when I realised that it was actually had pirates and everything in there, I was like, okay, it's, it's actually... I know I knew it was expanding because it's become its own thing now. But, yeah, it's for those listening, the image we're talking about of the likeness is actually in the on the cover. So, wherever you're listening, you'll be able to see what Kevin looks like in uh, animated form. Which, speaking of, have you got any, like, game roles coming up, you know, outside of Gibbs that you want to do, that you'd like to no, do? No, um... Is it something you want to do more of? It's a funny old world... It's, it's something I'd love to do more of. It's a funny old uh, game, uh, The Games. Um, I have a wonderful voiceover agent um, in L.A. who I've been with for three years, and they send me uh, um, auditions that I do. Um, my, 
here in my study, I've set up uh, a little recording booth. So I take it very seriously, and um, for three years I've been going, and three years they send me, and I haven't booked a single gig in three years. It's really shocking. But what they tell me is if um, if I do book one, then many more will come afterwards. So, I, But I do mention, well, I am in Kingdom Hearts 3, but I don't think, uh, I think they just think, oh, well, that's just him doing Mr. Gibbs, you know, he can't do anything else. But uh, one day I'll prove them wrong, and I'll be... Um, ubiquitous in every game that you play hopefully because they are starting to do a lot more of that so i know i think it was kit harrington did call of duty like i think it was either before or early on in game of thrones and like they did the likeness of him i think right uh there's a few others one of which is we won't mention because he doesn't deserve to be um was in a game in that form you've got norman reedus is doing that i think with death stranding which we still have your idea about uh, did you say we won't mention him because he doesn't deserve it? Uh, uh, there's there's one that's... Uh, it's, it's more of what he's been accused of and stuff, so we'll, we'll stay away from, oh, um, from okay. the likeness of right. it. But, like, Norman Reedus is also in uh, Death Stranding that's got that coming up, so there's a lot of that. There's a oh, lot right. more right. of likenesses showing up in games, <clears> which is really cool. Uh, I mean, Tomb Raider, I think, is probably the exception to that rule. Where they, I mean, right. it's more based off the voice actress a little more, but right. it's just in varying as to there's a lot more opportunities for you to just be yourself, which is really cool. Right. As you know, as the graphics get better, so there's there's that sort of, I mean, Stan Lee plays his soul, but yeah, and he was in Spider Man, right. and that was like his likeness, and it was spot on. And so it's it's very easy to, to be able to do animated of that sort of thing or even graphically well, I think correct. Jordan, when I when I in the early eighties, I remember um, you probably remember the uh, Dire Straits song uh, "Money for Nothing" that uh, Sting sang on, and they had one of the first computer graphic um, videos up to removal men that were very blocky and they sort of like they were moving on wheels and i remember a computer expert coming on television and saying well <clears throat> the problem is is that there's an upper limit to the amount of memory that computers can have and they will and this was his quote and i'm sure it's come back to haunt him there will never be enough memory to imitate the human face <laughs> and of course <laughs> you know 30 years later, um you know he's been proved so sadly wrong uh, because it is extraordinary. If you, and if you look back at things like what, what's the Final Destination and things like that, was, it, was that was there was there a game of that that was extraordinary, or there was a film? What was the film called? That was the first film that was like a realist, a realistic. It looked live action, but it was actually computer generated. Oh yeah. Maybe one. Av one of Avatar. Your Avatar would probably be pretty close. <clears throat> to well, it. Avatar it was an obvious one, but there was one where everybody was computer. Um, it wasn't Final Destination. I know of a recent one being Elite Battle Angel, which is very, yes, very yeah. close to what you're talking about. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I imagine someone listening out there would probably know. It's yeah, but so, like oh, and I get the way you're going with that. Yeah, is that like the, all of it's animated, but it looks really real. So yeah, yes, yeah. like that's the sort of level we're going to now. Which uh, well, it's. It you know, I just I just watched. I was fascinated. I virtually watched my son play 
uh, Red Dead Redemption from beginning to end. And that's just, I mean, it's an extraordinary cinematic adventure, you know, for a video game. Think, it's wonderful. That's, yeah, that's what's really cool in the fact that ones like that, and I think the, the one that really stunned me was Detroit Become Human, and just the fact that it looked real and believable. I mean, I know Battlefield Hardline was probably the one, I think probably the earliest I can remember, that really tried a little too hard to be mm. an interactive movie that was also a game. But then it was also increased since then. I mean, like Horizon Zero Dawn's got multiple awards for just graphically looking amazing. And I picked it up right. and I was just like, wow, the graphics on this is insane. And this is like, you know, regardless of what TV you got, it looks gorgeous. Whether you've got a, you know, high-end console or not. And so I think it's it's gradually getting to the point where you could probably, they are doing more and more of actual likenesses. So ideally they will go, hey, let's get Kevin on and do this because that'd be awesome. And just just yeah. to have like, you know, have, have you as like the, here's an idea, have an old hero. We don't actually, not calling you old, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am pretty old. Um, but I'd like to have, you know, because if you think about it, most heroes are quite young. Have, you know, have this weathered age. They've got a lot of ones. Well, Detroit you know, I mean, don't, I, don't, I don't wish for that too much. I mean, one of the great things about getting to my stage in my career is, you know, I get these lovely roles, um, largely supporting roles. And, um, and, and I sort of wander around foreign cities where I'm filming while all the young people are slogging their guts out every day. <laughs> you know, doing the majority of the work. So, I mean, I'm quite happy with, with that level of things. But maybe, you're right, maybe in a game, old guys or something. Because then you can literally <laughs> just be in a studio, but, you know, you have like yeah. a, it'd be a main role, but you wouldn't actually have to, right. you know, physically be doing stunts and everything. So there's, there's an upside to it. No, right. There's an upside to voice work. Right. you just got to actually... Uh... Well, let, let's hope for that, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's... There's multiple studios popping up now. I think Google's just starting to do their own. Apple's starting to do their own. So you never know. It's it's right. probably in the realm of possibility. Um, I mean, we've we've got a few uh, one lineup for later this year. Hopefully, that's still can't talk about, <laughs> but is you know yeah. they're sort of just starting and the voice one, but they've got like this game that's got quite a large following. So it's it's not outside of the realm of possibility to you know, end up voicing them. Um, maybe someone will play Kingdom Hearts 3 and go, hey, that, that guy sounds good, let's hire him. <laughs> okay. Um, That's the way things work, I suppose. Would you play your own game, that is the question. Would I what? Would you play your own game? Or have you played your own game? Um, well, well, well <coughs> here you are, you see. because This will prove how old I am. My son keeps telling me I should try this, but... The first big game I did was Assassin's Creed 3. And um, I had, of course, really got into gaming uh, in the 90s. And, um, but, you know, I, and I bought myself a lovely Big Mac. And, um, but I'm a, a keyboard and mouse man. Um, the only game I, I did, I did play Lara Croft, um, Tomb Raider, with a console. But I don't have millennial thumbs, you see. It's very difficult for me to aim and shoot at the same time. My son David says that um, I should just uh, practice and I'll be all right. So I didn't play um, 
Assassin's Creed because like, you know you you, ca you can't get it on uh, on this sort of uh, on my computer here, you know. So, uh, but I, I should work at that a bit more because I do have a lot of time on my hands and I do love gaming. I did just get um, re-released and remastered. Sorry, it may it should be on like the Steam Store or something at least. There should be a <coughs> launcher regardless might of what system. Because I do, I do on Steam. I do, uh, you know, get uh, I get a lot of old games as well. I, I I try to leave it three years and then go back and play all the Star Wars games because they they were the, my absolute favourite when they came out. That was when I was gaming most, and uh, you know, and they were revolutionary in the way that we're talking about the ones now in terms of being wonderful stories and um, you know a, a nice balance of story and gaming. Um, I remember when. Uh, uh, Star Wars Academy, Jedi Academy came out. God, that was me lost for weeks. It was just great. That's what I'm hoping this year will be with Fallen Order, with Respawn taking on Star Wars, hopefully. And the hopeful announcement recently that LucasArts might be coming back, which means hopefully right. we might get a remaster of all those wonderful games we enjoyed in the early 2000s. Oh, before, wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, before EA got the license and uh, destroyed our dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I got Battlefront two, the original, like on PC right. recently, and oh, it holds up well. Like the graphic, the graphics, yeah. you know, compared but, to now, were rather shit. But, course, it's, but you know, it holds up really nice. Yeah, of course it does. And you've also just to wrap up. We've got Alexander Handsome Chronicles as well. Not entirely sure what that's about. I know you've got two of them, <clears> seemingly back to back. Well. Uh, the, 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 the director and the uh, writer got in touch with me about this project, sent me the script, and it's really fantastic because it's sort of, it's Edwardian James Bond, Indiana Jones adventure. Um, so a bit steampunky as well. So it sort of touches a lot of good bases for me. And uh, <clears throat> the thing is, they got in touch with me so that I would say that I was interested in the project. They do that with a lot of actors to help raise money for the film. I don't think they've got a deal yet. I don't think they've got a studio yet, but it would be a film that I'd love to see made. And it would be a really, it could be a really good series of films as this character, Alexander Hansen, you know, takes on different evil people in a steampunky Edwardian world. You know. Is that based off a book at all or is it entirely its own thing? No, it's, no just the creation of the writer. Yeah. Well, well that, that should hopefully make it really good in the fact that it doesn't have to, try and do the books justice is a lot you know that's where a lot of films fall down right. no it's very much a world he's created and uh um the director i know well because he is um i've worked with him as a second unit director because he did uh, the stunts on the first um the first three pirates films so he's definitely a man who would know how to make it you know a, a, an action film now the one the one i think everyone wants to know is would you return for another pirates movie Oh, in a heartbeat, yes. <clears throat> I, I, you know, I love making the five films that I made. Um, I would I'd love to do a, a sixth one. Um, of course, there have been many stories that you know they're not going to do anymore, or that they're going to reboot them, and then they're not rebooting them. <clears throat> so I don't know. Um, I don't know what the answer of whether there will be one. But if there was, I would certainly love to be in it. Um, it's it's you know it's a it's a real family. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, and uh, one that I, I miss when I'm not doing it. So that would be terrific. One thing I would say, though, <clears throat> that touches upon upon um, 
what you were talking about, about the possible um, new Star Wars film and what they're doing with that in terms of being analog rather than too digital, is that I, I would love Pirates to do that because the first, certainly three films, and then even the fourth film, you know, if we had to be on a ship getting blown up, we blew up a ship, you know. Mm. Um, one, one of the slightly disappointing things about the fifth one for me is that we used a lot more uh, CGI, so there was a lot more green screen acting. Um, and although, you know, people like that, I, I personally think it um, it takes a, 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 a verite and an energy out of a film, and it certainly makes it less enjoyable to make <clears throat> than the days when, you know, you saw the sets around you rather than being a green screen and somebody holding up a painting saying, it's going to look like this, you know. Yeah, I think that's that'd be awesome if they did sort of go back to that way. Like, yes, it'd cost a little bit more. As I mean, it's not like Disney's got money problems. <laughs> um, <No>. But like, <clears throat> it'd, be, it'd be something that they could look at. I mean, they did it for Star Wars, so why not do it for Pirates? I mean, to, absolutely. You've yeah. got so many, presumably, like really old ships still around, still seaworthy. I mean, I know we still have oh, yeah, tall yeah. ships on this side of the world. Oh, there's, so there's no, there's there's no the question of, of not being able to do it. And and in fact, the ships that they built, the Black Pearl and the, um, uh, the Flying Dutchman, uh, are all um, are all still around, you know, and seaworthy. So um, we could easily do that. So hopefully, that's something they will do in the long run. Is there well, any? If, yeah. if they have. If they have the will to do it, it's it's you know it can be done. Yeah. Is there any other projects coming up? That we should know about. <clears throat> uh, yes, I, my next job is um, I, I'd, uh, I loved a film in the early eighties, um, a German film called Das Boot, about a German U-boat during the Second World War. Fantastic film if you've never seen it, by the way. Really well worth a watch. And uh, this sort of German Czech production company decided they wanted to make a TV series based on that, with some other stories around it. And at the end, there was this um, nasty American arms dealer who turns out to be the father of one of the characters in this wonderful scene at the end. And they just said, would you come to Prague and do this scene? And I went, yeah, I'd love to. I love playing uh, Americans anyway, which is uh, good. Uh, and they're going for a second series. And so I'm going to go over and reprise my role as this um, as this uh, really heavy American arms dealing a multinationalist um, guy, but I actually think he—I think I, I redeemed myself in the second season a bit. So that's an, a nice little trip to Prague for me. Is there a way we can up. able to see that, or is it probably only going to be? No, no, no. It's fine. It, it's shot in—it's shot in four languages with um, with subtitles in English. People, it's—it's it's an amazing sort of multinational production. And the first season is on Netflix at the moment. So uh, if you want to watch that, okay, have, have a look. That. Have to have a look at that then. It might have been Europe, I don't know, or it might only be Netflix America. It might not have got to Netflix Australia yet, but we'll we'll let me know anyway. Hopefully so, yes. <laughs> it would be nice. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for giving up your time to chat with us today, Kevin. Well, you know, I, I got up nice and early <laughs> at the day just to talk to you, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really not that early. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you as well, and I uh, hope people enjoy the podcast. Likewise, and and for obviously everyone knows you're in pirates, so that's wherever you'd watch that. And 
The Outpost, I believe, is currently on some Foxtel for Australian listeners, or on DVD and Blu-ray now, so you can go watch that. Designated Survivor is assumedly still on Netflix, Kingdom Hearts 3, wherever you get your games, and as Kevin mentioned, Dad's Army will likely somehow probably make its way to Australia eventually, I would imagine, probably via ABC, they pick up everything BBC. (coughs) And I've been your host TJ, alongside Kevin McNally, and we'll see you in the next episode.